Today on the podcast, we have Coach Guesswitch from Dublin Jerome High School in the Columbus area of Ohio. Uh, he's been there for five, he's been there for going on six years. Uh, in his first five years, uh, he increased his numbers from mid seventies to like one hundred twenty six players. Holy cow! He's been in the playoffs three of the of the five years he's been there. Uh, he had the first playoff win in school history. They've won the league title three of five years. He's changing the perception of football in the school community. Coach Guesswitch is full of wisdom, and I know you will really enjoy uh, this podcast, which you will hear after a quick word from our sponsor. Coach Guesswitch, welcome to the podcast, my friend. I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, we met each other, what, at the Ohio State Clinic a couple years ago, I think? Yeah, I think we were hanging out, uh, watching their practice, and just started talking, and uh, started talking there. I think mutually, we both knew Brad Birchfield from Hartley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's kind of how, you know, the mayor of East Columbus, Brad Birchfield, and that's kind of how we uh, got to talking at that. So, that, Going to that clinic, I truly felt like, he he's obviously the mayor of East Columbus, but he may have been the mayor of like the state of Ohio. <laughs> he's a politician now. He's he's a great coach. He's a good guy to talk to, and uh, but Brad Brad is a social butterfly. So. Yeah, I got that. He like called me over to have dinner with him, and then like there was like twenty people at the table, and it was crazy. It was like what in the world? Like this guy knows everybody, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, well, coach. Talk about your background, where you know where you came from, where you are now. Um, and I follow you on Twitter, and uh, I think you've done a great, great job um, at Jerome. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so I grew up in Cleveland, uh, you know, a uh, blue-collar, no-collar area um, where football was, was big time. Um, the school's called Euclid High School, um, and they went through some really, really successful years when I was growing up. Uh, and then I got there and played there and they weren't as successful probably because I was on the roster and, and now they're, uh, they're back up and they're doing really well, but Northeast Ohio, I mean, football's huge. Uh, went off to school, got uh, my education degree, couldn't find a social studies teaching job in Ohio. So I, I spent one year in South Carolina. Um, awesome experience, uh, very poor rural area. Um, some interesting dynamics, just a completely different culture. Uh, coach football there. Um, interesting thing about that, that was the highest stipend I've had until I became a head coach. So fresh out of high or fresh out of college, you know, you take an assistant job and you're like, oh man, this is my first, maybe I will get paid off of being a coach and it, it doesn't work out that way. Um, from there, went to Nashville for five years, uh, taught at an inner city school in Nashville, was part of uh, two different head coaches stabs there. Um, and we turned around that program um, made that program uh, competitive, had had a solid run of some talent there too, which obviously always helps. But the second head coach that came in showed me a lot of stuff on on prioritizing, right? What really matters and and where you're going to put your emphasis at and things like that. So took some notes there, learned from there. Uh, from there, I was I was extremely fortunate to land a job at Marion Local in uh, Mercer County, Ohio, which is a rural area. Um, and Marion Local has, I think it's 11 state titles now. Um, so I was there for two years 
and we went 30 and 0 and I was like man this coaching thing's easy it's it's time to try and be a head coach right you just pretty much show up and you win every game and and life's good and uh took the Dublin Jerome job and it's it's been a rebuild job um but I think we've been pretty successful uh we obviously need to keep getting better and and more consistent but you know we took over a, a losing program and three out of five years in the playoffs, three out of five years, league titles. Uh, but the thing that I'm, I'm most proud of and I think is the biggest contributor to everything is we inherited a roster of about 74, 75 kids, ninth through 12th grade. And this year we're looking at 126 kids. Um, so, you know, not all of them are maybe traditional football players, but I think when you have an increase in numbers like that, kids are finding value in your program. And when they find value in their program, they're going to play extremely hard for you, which always gives you a chance to win. Coach, that's awesome. It, we, when we talked at, at the Ohio State practice, you were talking about building your program. And talk about, like, what are you doing to get those numbers and have that success? Like, what are some things that you found to be really beneficial? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because there are sometimes I look at our kids and I'm like, I don't know why they come back every day. I don't know why they want to deal with me, why they want to do stuff. Um, but I think part of it is we understand that for probably 80% of our kids, football is not their main sport or it's just kind of something that they do. Um, so our school is, is really big into lacrosse, which this is the first school I've ever been at where lacrosse even exists. And lacrosse is huge here. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of baseball players. We have a decent amount of basketball players. We need more basketball kids out. So, like, in the summer, we go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday with our lifting so that those kids can all go to their travel sports and they can, they can do that stuff. We have our camp days this week and next week. Um, our starting quarterback's only going to be at two of the eight camp days. He's going to be down in Georgia playing in a baseball tournament. And we're completely okay with that. Um, you know, it's, it's July. Uh, right. You know, I know people freak out about everything here. Uh, listen, if we can't run counter tray by week one, we're doing a terrible time or we're doing a terrible job coaching. So so I think one that helps, you know, we've really reached out to those other sports. And then I, I also think that kids respond to honesty and we're very, very honest. Our kids have a voice in our program. Like you saw the board behind me and you're like, man, you got a lot of plays drawn up there. We're so much. Um, you know, I talk to our quarterbacks every day. Hey, what do you like? What do you don't like? Or what don't you like? Um, but we have like a player board that gets a voice in little things. Hey, uniform combinations. Hey, I was thinking again, which one of these two logos do you like for the t-shirts we're going to get this year? Like, like things that don't really matter, but they matter because the kids have a voice in the program. Um, and I think that that, that goes a long way too. So obviously reaching out to those other sports, getting those kids to play. And then when they have fun in the program, they bring in more kids. Um, and, and I think also the, the last thing, we don't really waste time at practice. Now, I'm not saying we're super efficient. Uh, you know, you could come to our practice and be like, man, you know, you're walking here, you're walking there. We never go past two hours in season. And it's very rarely even close to two hours. And that's more so the start of the year. We don't do two-a-days. We've never done two-a-days. Um, you know, we have it scheduled for four hours. We won't go four hours. Uh, our camp days are scheduled for three hours, one hour is all freshmen, two hours varsity. And then next week, we'll actually knock that back half an hour. 
Um, so we constantly look for what can we cut? Can we respect their time? Because we want our kids to want to be at football. We want them to look forward to it. And we've actually gotten to the point where some of our basketball and lacrosse kids are, man, I can't wait until football comes because they're so burned out on the other sport and the time demands of the other sports. Yeah. Coach, that's really awesome. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the in vogue thing now. I think it's good that like practice is shorter. It's more concise. I mean, I remember being a player and we were there for like three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, and, and part of it is a byproduct of my own issues. Um, there's no way I can focus that long. Like I know some very successful programs that go all day for two days or even for camp, you know, they're there for seven, eight hours. Good for them. I can't find something productive to do for seven to eight hours and I can't focus that long. So right. it's, uh, you know, like our running backs coach, our, our wide receivers coach, they'll get mad at me and team because I can't focus enough that I start throwing in stuff and I start making up tags on the fly that me and the quarterbacks and maybe one or two of the other kids have talked about. And I forgot to say something to them and I'm like, Hey, let's just try it. Let's see what it looks like. And they're like, Oh, what was that? What was that? You know, and they're scrambling to write it down and, and all that kind of stuff. So, I wouldn't be able to do it. Why would I expect kids to be able to do it? Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, you go to teacher PD days, you want to see the worst learners oh, ever. Oh my gosh. PD day. But then half of those are the same teachers that sit up there and lecture for an hour every day. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Oh, you're right. Uh, you know, we were, we just finished, our second week of like what's called a three week period here. So we can actually practice. Well, it's a modified practice because of COVID but like our mm -hmm. whole offense is in, like it's all like every yeah. we've run, run every play. So I talk about, you know, your offensive philosophy. You talk about your coach and the quarterbacks. Did you play quarterback coach? No, no. no. Okay. I was a very, very average high school football player. Um, and that might be, I, I guarantee you, I was the kid that when the coaches went in the office, they're like, all right, do we have anyone that can replace guess which? Yeah. <laughs> like, like you have those conversations in the office. It had to have been me because I ran my mouth. I said what I thought, you know, but I've worked really, really hard. I just wasn't very good. Um, so I played a little bit of defense. I was primarily a tight end. And then my senior year, our center went down. So I was an undersized center our senior year. Kids always ask me what I played. I tell them I was a backup punter. Because <laughs> uh, I was, I was second on the depth chart at punting, and I'm pretty sure if we ever got to that point, they would have just went for it every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I I didn't play quarterback actually at McGavick. So at at Woodland in South Carolina, I, I coached defense, and then at McGavick we had the coaching change, and um, I took over quarterbacks, and then eventually took over the offense. And then when I went to Marion Local, I coached quarterbacks. And then at Jerome, I've coached quarterbacks. And then I've coached wide receivers. Um, but, you know, you, you pretty much, especially when you're assembling a staff from scratch and you don't have teaching jobs, you, you coach everything. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's kind of how that, that all came to be. And then talk about, like, what's your offensive philosophy? Like, what, are, what do you like to do? What do you believe in? Um... You know, what do you go to when the when you need like when you need yards and points? I wish I knew what to go to when we need points. <laughs> uh, would be way better. Um, so our philosophy is super simple. We're going to find five offensive linemen and a quarterback and the next best five guys. 
Um, so we're not locked into a formation. Um, you know, like this year, we'll, we'll play a little bit more two-back stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just because that's where our guys are. And, and we've got a couple of versatile kids that can play slot receiver, uh, play a running back, do some things back there. Gives us a little bit of a different look. Um, you know, and that is the whole philosophy. Find five linemen, quarterback, and then who are the next five to ten best guys? We also love to roll kids in if we can. Um, you know, it's stats are stats, but I think every year we've had double-digit kids score touchdowns um, just because we give a bunch of different kids opportunities to play, uh, and, and we roll roll kids in. We might be one of the one of the last spread teams that still huddles. Um, and we actually did that our first year because we weren't very good and we wanted to slow up the clock and and take up as much time as we could. Um, but it also helps us rotate guys in, you know, if you, if you want kids to stay out, there better be a light at the end of the tunnel where they see an opportunity to play. Um, and that's an easy way to do it. Um, obviously if you don't have those guys, you don't play them and you don't rotate them in, but we have a lot of kids that are very similar. So we have the opportunity to do that. Um, hang our hat on the past couple of years. It's been counter tray. Um, you know, one year counter tray wasn't very good for us. And I would say probably our best, our best run play that year was sweep. Um, we base out of gun. Um, but we do have some under center packages and stuff like that. You know, the good thing about being at Marion local, it's, it's a double edged sword because then you try to replicate it and you realize, Hey, it really helps having dudes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that last title game that we were in, we got in 17 different formations. Oh, my gosh. And it was, it was crazy. But we also had a wide receiver that could come in and play tight end, a slot. It was the weirdest combination. He was a slot receiver, but he played fullback. Um, oh, and it was just a weird setup, but it worked for them. And, and we kind of tried to mirror that and see, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, the past, probably out of the past five years, four of the years, we've been a four or five wide out base team um one of the years we had a really good tight end so we played with him um you know and then run pass it just depends on what we're good at and what's going to work that's awesome coach so we've also talked defense so how do you build your defense to like morph and be good with that your style of offense um so our defense is is changed a little bit it's uh we, again, the, the good and bad of being at Marion Local, when I came in, I tried to run everything. Um, and so I put in their defense, and it's a 3-4, heavy blitz, you know, lots of pressure. Um, we weren't maintaining gaps. We were really good at blitzing into blocks um, and running into ourselves being blocked and being out of the play. Um, and the guy that I had technically running the defense – we sat down and we talked and then I just turned it over to him and we did exactly what you're not supposed to do. And we completely changed our defensive structure week three of the season. Oh, wow. Hey, this is what we're going to do. We simplified everything. We went to a 40 front. Um, and that first year where we finished, we started off like zero and three and we finished six and four. Um, and so I think our defensive philosophy really has nothing to do with the structure of the defense. It really just has to do with let's find 11 kids that are going to play lights out. They're going to play as hard as they possibly can for as long as they possibly can, which is really the crux of our program. Give us effort, play really hard, play tough, 
and we'll find a spot for you and we'll, and we'll figure everything out from there. So I've had two defensive coordinators, uh, the guy that was here for the first two years, um, and then a job took him away. Um, and then we actually just promoted the guy that was the DB's coach. And, and I will say this, if you're a head coach and people can argue with me because I don't have any state rings and things like that as a head coach. So what do I know? But give it to your workers, your guys that you can trust, your guys that are going to put in the work. You don't need a guru. Like my goal as a head coach is to never have to um, put out a job posting for a coordinator. I would much rather just pull from the ranks of guys that I know and that I trust. Um, so Nick came in and he was the defensive coordinator for two years and uh, or three years, sorry. And then uh, he's getting married and moving across the other side of the, the city, probably just sick of dealing with me. Um, and then actually the guy that was the defensive coordinator the first two years came back last year as the offensive line coach, did a great job there, and he's going to take the defense back over. So it's, you know, hey, how does, how does our philosophy on defense complement it? Um, you know, we just want to find kids that play really hard. And I, I will say this, we're also not risk adverse. We, we believe that when you play football, you should take risks. We're not going to sit back, and, and I don't think we're good enough to sit back and just kind of let the game come to us. Um, you know, we go for it on a lot of fourth downs. We'll send blitzes. You know, I don't get mad at our DBs when they try to make a play on a ball and they miss. Um, you know, I, and I know that that's disastrous and that becomes a big play and, and all of that, but we want them to play aggressive. We're not mad at 15 yarders. Um, no, let me take that back. We're not mad at aggressive 15 yarders. Sure. If it's something stupid, you turn around, you cuss out an official. Yeah, I'm mad about that. Right. Uh, but if you hit the quarterback a split second late and they think he's Tom Brady and they want to protect him, you know, I'll take that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I don't really care. That's awesome. I mean, the aggressiveness, I think, that is required – of high school teams that may not be as talented as the team they're playing. Like you have to just take chances. I feel like I think you're, you're preaching to the choir here. Um, but it has to be what you do. Yeah. Right. It can't just be that one game. It can't just be, yeah. it's um. we've actually gotten to the point where we've, we call it the go zone. Uh, so it's backed up to our own 40. We're automatically going forward on fourth down. Um, and then it's, it's iffy between that 40 and that 30 if we're going for it. And the, it's funny because the kids actually kind of look over on fourth down, like, what are we going to do? You know, they know that we may go for it, we may not. Our kids, now our parents sit up in the stands, and it doesn't matter if we get the fourth down or not. I'm an idiot for not punting it on fourth down, right, or kicking a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown. Like, somehow I'm always an idiot whether we get it or not. Our kids – are really, really shocked when we send out the punt team. Mm. And they're like completely, they're just like, well, we're supposed to go for it, you know? Right. And, and they're so used to that, that which I think is a good thing because mm -hmm. they're not nervous on fourth down. There's not that pressure because if we don't get it, we don't get it. And the good thing is, is our, our coaches are all bought into that too. I mean, there have been times where I've looked over at Zip in the past and it's like fourth and three. There was one year, it's fourth and three, and we're on our twenty six. And oh, I was like, I look at him, and he's like, you know, he's doing the finger roll. He's like, just go for it, dude. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. We're fine. go for it. 
So, you know, and, and having guys that are on board with that and your defensive coordinator doesn't hang his head when you don't get it, that's huge. Because talk about your pressures. Are you like a zone pressure, man pressure? What's your, what's your thing? Both. 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 Um, so probably our, our most basic is we're going to bring five guys, um, which I, I don't know if you really call that pressure, right? And we're going to play three over, three under um, mm-hmm. behind it. Um, obviously we've got some man pressures where we'll bring six. Um, but you know, the, the big thing, if I had my druthers and say, you know, every school closed and there was a free agent draft and the 717th team in the state had to pick a head coach and they took me right. <laughs> if I was starting back from scratch, it, it'd be primarily zone pressures. Um, you know, I love man. I absolutely love it. Um, the problem that we've had in man is, you know, last year we could play, we had two six foot corners, mm-hmm. um, and we felt really, really good about it. Our typical corners, five, six, five, seven. Yeah. Um, and those guys they'll play in great position. They'll be in great position, but there's only so many times you can watch a kid get mossed before you look at it and you're like, Hey, are we putting him in a great, a great spot? Now I've seen other teams, they'll line up and they'll play man, no matter who they have. And they have great success with it. Yeah. And it's just, it's not what we do every single play. So I think we put them at a disadvantage when we ask them to do that in big time pressure spots. Sure. So. Okay. And then you just talked about not punting a lot. So what's your special teams philosophy? Like what, how does that fit into all, all this? I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking, (laughs) kicking is the worst. No, um, you know, actually, last year, my wife made fun of me because we had a – our first playoff game was a five-overtime game um, last year. And it was nuts. It was absolutely insane. Um, we lined up to kick a field goal in the fourth overtime. And she was like, if you would have made that field goal, I never would have let you hear the end of it because you would have won a game on a field goal. We had a game this year. We kicked three field goals, which is has got to be a record for the past five years. <laughs> I think a lot of it comes down to, again, the kids that you have. What situation are you in? Um, all that. We really try not to punt. Um, our, our punt. So our special teams philosophy, when we're kicking the ball, we just want to be sound. We want to be sound. You know, we want to get that hidden yardage. We want to cover the ball. Um, you know, I always said when I, when I became a head coach, we go for it on fourth downs. We kick onside. Well, the rules have kind of taken away the onside kick. Yeah. So, all right, we're going to try and pin you or put it. If you can find a kicker that puts it in the end zone, that's a weapon. Um, that's huge. So we're going to try and pin you. If we, we can't put it in the end zone, we're going to pooch. We're going to do a couple other things. Because um, we see some dynamic kick returners. Yeah. We want to keep it away from those guys. Um, is when high school gets rid of the kickoff, I'll be one of the happiest people in high school football. Yeah, sure. So, uh, cause that's, that's, that's nerve wracking. Um, now on defense, like when you line up to punt, we're coming after it. Okay. We're in prime. I don't care if we get any return yards. I, I think we've maybe set up, you could probably count on one hand, the amount of returns we've set up on punt mm-hmm. since we've been here. We'd rather come after it and, and we block our fair share of kicks um you know i think we've maybe gotten hit with one fake and i don't even know if it was a fake i think the punter just bobbled it and in high school a lot of times your punter's a pretty good athlete yeah and he just made us look dumb and he took off and got yeah. the first down so um 
you know, our special teams philosophy, we're going to be sound. We're going to try and get kids out there that care about it, kids that take pride in it. Um, but I'm not – I think one of the biggest lies in football is when we say special teams is a third of the game. Because I it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's it's just not. And the people who say that are, are the guys who have special teams coordinator on their name, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm involved in every single special teams we have because they are important and you can lose a game there. But we'd rather go for it and see what, what happens. Yeah, that's and like you were saying, you know, when they made you put, you know, at max six guys on one side of kicker on kickoff, like, you know, and then you can't block, you can't hit them for like, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a you you can't do that stuff. You can't drill the ball straight into yeah, the ground. Uh, which okay, I right. get it, but you just took it away. So yeah, like we know. didn't see one. I mean, we we rep hands right and like onside kick on thursdays we didn't see one we didn't get one onside kick the entire year you know what i mean it's like well what's your thursday practice look like so we do a couple different things if i feel like it's a team that needs like the game scenario you know what i mean like you do like kick off and you run like offensive plays and you punt and then you run defense Mm -hmm. we'll do like a game script but usually I've only done that a handful of times, but usually it's we do we go over all special teams, then we um, run like our opening. I don't have a script on offense, but like our like our base plays versus their defense, just yeah. to get, like refresh, and then we just align on defense. Like we make sure we're lined up to their formations, and that's it's short. That's really that's really it. What yeah. about you guys? No, we do the game situation. We flip yeah. to yeah. it. Um, so that first year. Uh, like I said, we, we started off 0-3, and we were either tied or winning the first two games at halftime, mm-hmm. and then we came out and just got stumped. Now, part of that was the mentality of the kids, and it was weird. Our first game, we lost, and there were so many parents congratulating our kids. Oh, good job, good whatever, because it was way closer than it was against that team the previous year, and I, I was livid. Like, I didn't say it to the kids. Now, Two weeks later, I did tell him, I said, hey, good try and good job is not good enough. If you're good with good job and good try, this is not the program for you. We have to set our expectations bigger than those people around us. Um, and that, it was. It was a loser mentality. Um, but part of the problem was we would go in at halftime and we would come out and we were just like, hey, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I had to figure something out. So we did the traditional, hey, everyone toe on the line, quiet. We're going through everything. So we actually changed it, and, and we changed our halftime approach too, but we changed our Thursday practice to mirror it. So we do the uh, game simulation. We actually send them off of the field at halftime in oh, our shit. game simulation. We've got like a little storage shed. Now, I'm not Mike Leach. I'm not locking kids in a shed here. <laughs> but they go off, and they like go into the storage shed, and then I blow the whistle, and they come back out after halftime. Okay. Um, you, you walk into our stadium on Thursday. The music's blaring. Um, you know, I'm yelling, we're, we're going. And the funny thing is, if you look on the sideline, we've got kids like pegging each other with footballs, they're playing catch, but they're, they're kids that aren't going to typically get in meaningful minutes. So let's focus on the kids that are going to get there instead of going crazy and getting mad on a Thursday, uh, over that kind of stuff. Um, and we've actually expanded it. So now on our practice field, we have the JVs doing the same thing. Oh, okay. And 
So they're doing the game simulation. And then this year, because our, our numbers are really large, I think we're going to try to have all three levels going. Now we have to be able to fill scout teams. Right. And things yeah. like that. I don't know if we'll be able to do it, but I think that'd be pretty cool if we could have all three levels doing it. And, and we've completely changed our halftime. So pregame, the kids have a stereo in there and it's blaring. Right. Mm-hmm. And then at halftime we would go in and you could hear a pin drop and it was really quiet. And, you, you know what a traditional locker room is mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I think we upset some teams that we play now because at halftime, win, lose, whatever, our radio's blaring at halftime. Coaches have individual conversations with their position groups. We don't really address the team as a whole. Um, you know, I do right before we go out or if there's something that I have to say right at halftime. You know, if we played a bad first half, it's, hey, this is what happened. This is a situation we're in. We've got to fix this, yada, yada, yada. Um, but our kids, I mean, you know, I've heard secondhand coaches get mad. They think we're having a party in there and like, oh, they don't take us serious. Or No, it's just what we do at halftime because we want to reset and we yeah. want to come out we come out in the first half. And so we actually go out a little bit early after a halftime and we go back through a tackling circuit and a hitting circuit okay. right before halftime. Just to, you know, everyone's like, oh, wake your pads back up. Well, we really just want the mentality of this is what we do. Now, does it help us at all? Physically, probably not. It's probably dumb. Um, but <laughs> mentally, our kids are, they are so bought into it and they believe in it. So, right. So we've kind of changed, you know, you have to be able to adapt to the situation that you're in and, and the kids that you're with, or at least in my experience, you have to. You know, I know some guys will go in and they'll put in their system and they'll win no matter where they're at. I'm not one of them. So. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Cause like we were talking about before we started in high school football, you're, you're solely dependent upon the DNA of the parents, right. Of the kids that you're playing with. Um, and then obviously you develop them, but you have to morph your philosophy, your scheme to what is available on your roster. Cause you can't recruit. I mean, I guess some people do, but you know, yeah. like, you know, most of us do not. So like, what's like, when you talk about more, like changing your philosophy, like, give me an example. Like maybe did you go on one year thinking like, I'm going to run this and it changed during the year. Like you talked about defense. Is that something that happens often or just everyone? Yeah. Time? Um, I, I think your emphasis changes. Right. And I think you even see that with like triple option teams. Right. One year they might be heavy midline. Then the next year they're heavy outside veer, you know, whatever it may be. And and they adjust to the guys that they have. So we do the same exact thing to us. It is so much more important to have the mentality. So Rome as a community is a very, very fluent community. Um, Our kids don't necessarily struggle. Um, the majority of our kids don't, don't have that natural fight, that natural instinct. So how can we get that into them? How can we give them that pride in doing that? Like we have something called the, the bricklayers union and we started it with that first year. Like the kids would show up every day, work really hard. Hey, you're building something. And we've continued the union throughout. And I think it's funny too, because most of our, our parents that are like CFOs and CEOs probably hate unions. So I think it's funny that the kids come home <laughs> and say like, bricklayers union you know whatever um so that's part of me just thumbing my nose and and making even more friends um but (laughs) you know we really really and i know everyone talks about culture and things like that we're more so worried about the mindset okay are our kids going to show up and fight 
And once we get them to that level, and, and I think that that's the biggest thing that COVID's taken away is that opportunity for us to build that in the weight room, right? We do throw down Thursdays, which are competitions. And we'll make freshmen go against seniors. We'll make wide receivers go against linemen. And, and like, it'll get to the point where they start calling each other out. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be tug of war. It could be a king of the ring type setup. It could be something in the wrestling room. It could just be dodgeball. It could be plate holds. Whatever it is, they'll call each other out. And they take pride in trying to beat that guy that they're not supposed to beat. And we praise the hell out of just getting in there and fighting. Yeah. Right. We needed a couple of freshmen to stick around and, and run some wide receiver routes for us this week. Um, just because so many kids were out of town and things like that. Right. And I mean, we praise that they look terrible. They weren't catching the ball. You know, they're not physically ready, but we were super excited because they jumped in there every time and they were bumping some older kids out of the way. Oh, wow. Like, that's what we want to see. And so, so that's more important as to like the philosophy of offense. Yeah. We'll adjust to it. I mean, if our starting quarterback goes down, the complexion of our offense changes. Sure. Now the answers are built in or they're an easy adjustment, um, but he's he's a really good quarterback. He can sling the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, the next two probably can't throw like that, but one's a really good athlete. So now on our runs, we have screens tagged to it to make it more of a triple option and, mm-hmm. and certain things like that, more movement passes, all those sorts of things. Hey, we might have to scrap some of these dropbacks and be more – quick game reliant. But I, I think that's what, what coaches do everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, which the frustrating part about COVID is we have to come up with 50 contingencies for everything. Right. But you have state associations that haven't thought about it yet or haven't had the conversation or, you know, just started talking about it a week ago. Mm-hmm. Well, that's unacceptable. That's not okay. How do you, how do you go through life without a backup plan is, is kind of odd. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We, me, another coach, talking about that. Like, what have people in leadership been doing since March? Like, <clears throat> contingency plans should have been something they've been talking about the entire time. You know, nothing. Like, why when we got when we got released to go work out, was it like a five day delay before we got? Hey, this is what you're supposed to do. Like, we knew eventually we were going to be allowed to be in the weight room. Right. Why are we just now thinking? What'd you do for five months? So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm lucky my administration doesn't listen to podcasts. So, oh, geez, I, my my AD and I are tight. We're good. Um, but man, like I I love the three o'clock email that he's forwarded to me about the new rules. And like, man, I work out in forty five in like forty five minutes. Like, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> like, what in the world? And I get some of it's completely over their head, but it's uh. It's it, and this is this is getting way far off of of the topic, but it's really not either. So you said you know advice for head coaches or coordinators, make sure you truly want to be a leader. Yeah. Right. Because because there's a difference. Yeah. Ordering uniforms and being the guy when you win and and all those things and you know I see guys all the time that all they ever tweet out are pictures that they're in the middle of. Um, I don't know if we ever send anything out from our football accounts where it's about me because it's not about me, right? It's about the kids. Um, leadership, you know, I, I think that this whole instance has, has shown a huge vacuum and void of leadership. We have a lot of people that want titles. We have a lot of people that want perks. But when it comes time to make hard decisions that you know are going to be unpopular, and it doesn't matter which way you go, they're going to be unpopular. 
we have a lot of people that defer to the masses or, hey, I'm going to have seven different committees. You know, there's, there's a really good book called Insanely Simple, um, and it's about Apple, and it's an easy read, and you may not think it has much correlation to being a football coach or, or being a leader. I believe in it so much, and maybe it's an echo chamber, but I, I read it, and I was like, yes, this makes sense. And now I understand why Bill Gates is, is a dude. Now, he's smarter than all of us, but, you know, he talks about how committees are such a waste of time. And you just find really smart groups of small or small groups of really smart people. Find four to five people and you roll with whatever that group decides. Yeah. Don't bring in all the other voices because then you have to go back and change this and change that. So like our player leadership board, it's five to eight kids. And those are the kids that decide, hey, I can't hold you to 57 standards. What are the three standards that we have? And, you know, they came up with a great list. And those are the three standards that we have in our program. And it's um, you know, it, you you kind of do that stuff, and you know that there's going to be kickback. You know that you're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but you have confidence in that group and and roll with it. And I think we have not seen that. So like our ads, right? They're at the mercy of district administrators who are at the mercy of right board of health who are at the mercy of governors. And how many of those people are looking at those decisions? And well, okay. You know, how do I get reelected or how do I get that next contract? What can I do? Um, another thing that I firmly believe, and then we can get back to football after this. When, and I, but I think that this applies to coaches too. When you're more worried about keeping your job, you're not doing your job. Yeah, agreed. And that's, you know, I can't be worried about what parents think about what we're calling and what we're doing and things like that. I've got to decide what's best for our program and roll with it. I've got to do my job. And if that leads me to getting fired, then so be it. Yeah. But I can't be worried about keeping my job and keeping people happy. Because mm. so. that's, that's gold, man. I, and I, you know, especially in COVID, you know, I think people are leery of making decisions. And it's interesting how political it's become. I think people are trying to get elected instead of making good decisions. That's my two cents. Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like, these are hard choices. Yeah. These are really hard decisions, you know. In, in our state, um, there was a proposal for an alternate season, right? And, and the most frustrating thing was that there wasn't even a conversation, right? People were, were yeah. willing to just wait and defer to the status quo versus at least having, I don't, I don't care what decision you make, but you have to have those conversations, yeah, right? And I just, I'll never understand that. And they are, they're hard choices, but that's also what leadership is. Leadership's yeah. not easy. Yeah, it's not. Or if you do it the right way, or maybe I do it the wrong way, and that's why it's not easy. Uh, <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Well, coach, as we land this plane, give me, give me something for 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 aspiring head coaches and and coordinators. You just gave me a bunch, but give me like a nugget, another nugget about like what are some things that that guys who are looking to become head coaches and coordinators need to be able to do. So I think three things. One, if you know that that's what you want to do. Take notes. Mm. Physically write down somewhere everything that you like and don't like that the programs that you're in. I tell our coaches that all the time. If you want to be a head coach, write down every terrible thing I do. And then you can do it different when it's your show. Write down anything that we do that you like and keep it in there. Okay, so so that's number one. I think you have to always be cognizant, always steal. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean plays. It's practice. It's you know, how the communication is with parents, 
How do we talk to kids? How do we work with kids? All those sorts of things. How do we work with coaches, right? Like some of the coaches that I work with are one-year guys because they hate our style of doing things. Other guys have been here from day one and they're going to stay here unless they get a better opportunity or, or want to move on to, to like being a head coach. So I, th I think that's number one. Um, I think number two is initiative. Initiative is so important. So I said, I never want to go out and hire a coordinator. Well, how do I hire a coordinator then? Obviously you have to be able to, to run the offense or the defense, especially whatever it is, you have to be able to run that. But who's the dude that's there early filling water bottles? Who's the guy that's making sure everything's cleaned up? Who's the guy that's going to the uh, weight room after practice when it's much more convenient to hang out and sit in the coach's office, right? Like those are little things that people don't think about, but you can lose with a guy like that because you know he's going to put in the work yeah. and you can sleep at night with that. And then I think the last thing is you have to be yourself. So yeah, take all those notes and go through. I can't be Tim Goodwin from Marion Lowell. I can't be Jay Gore from McGavick, right? I can't be Reed Sharpie from Woodland. I can't be those guys because that's not me. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you're, you've got a timeline and your timeline's going to run out and someone's going to push you out or you're just going to move on, right? Um, you know, if you're, if you're that rare guy that's somewhere for 30 years, good for you. But you have to do it your way. You can't be someone else. Because when it all hits the wall, you want to be able to look back and say, I either won or I lost doing it my way. Yeah. Um, and, and the second part to that is, is kids, they sniff out when you're not genuine. Mm -hmm. And you can't fake being someone else. So just do it your way, man, and have fun with it. Because it's an awesome job. It's an absolutely awesome job. I want to give it up. People who cry about being head coaches, good, give it up and find someone that wants to do it. Because I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's... Those are the things that I, I would say, um, take them or leave them, but they've, they've served me well to this point. So that's awesome. Coach. I, this has been fantastic. You're like a wealth of knowledge, my friend. I steal it from everyone else. It's all, you know, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, I appreciate that. And it's, it's from stuff like this, right. And you know, that guys got, there was a group of guys that got a lot better over COVID yeah. because they're reaching out to other coaches and they're talking. And then there's a group of guys that watched replays of Last Chance U and are just going to do what they've always done and, and they're going to be stagnant. And I think, I think it's been such an opportunity to talk to guys like you and, you know, there's a guy out in Kenton and there's a guy at Fairborn that have set these things up. And those guys have pushed so many coaches forward and have done such great things for, for our profession that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's absolute, you know, you said it, it's absolute gold. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And, you know, tonight when the kids are asleep, I'm going to dig into more of your podcast and kind of look at some of this stuff. Shoot. I, I try to have people on there way smarter than me. So you can learn from, learn from them for sure. Well, I'm sorry you got to the bottom of the list with me today, but hopefully it wasn't too bad. So I no, appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. Shoot, man. That's not true. You're, you're not the bottom. You're at the top, Coach. I, I appreciate you and what you've done with your program, taking the time. Thank you for coming on, Coach. Absolutely. Hey, have a great one, Coach. We'll talk to you. You too.